It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. We'll be here for the next hour or so to talk New York Giants football and maybe some other NFL stuff if you'd like. Our phone number is 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. And you can find an archive of this show later on in our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere at Giants.com slash podcast. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion punter Jeff Fiegels at Jay Fiegels. I'm at Giants WFAN. And uh, just another day here at the facility, uh, OTA number (laughs) five, as the team continues to perform non-contact practice drills (laughs) and uh, some seven-on-sevens and some 11-on-11s. But, of course, again, as I stress, non-contact. So, the bad news is, Jeff, as we continue to move along here through these spring sessions. Bad news? Well, it is some bad news because there's not a ton of stuff that we can gain from watching on the sidelines. The coaches can. Oh, because certainly. They yeah. know if the guys are picking up the plays correctly and they know if they're running the right plays and making the right decisions. Yeah. Us no. being on the sideline. We're just learning names and numbers. That's about it. Yeah. There's not, we, we can see some physical things happening. But we can't really get into the details of what's going on textbook wise. Well, it's and, football, you know. It's and, football. Yeah. I mean, it's learning right now. New, 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 uh, new coaches, new players, new staff. This is all a feeling out process for every one of them. So, you know, what we're getting out of it is not as much as what the other people are getting out of it because it's spring football, and of course, the non-contact thing. There's not a lot of you can do, but you, you know, you, you're doing things that fundamentals, okay, techniques stuff like that that they're doing in their drills and you know when you look at we were out there for you know a good portion of the practice today you know the very end is when they kind of do the the 11 on 11 stuff but other than that up to that point they're just you know they're doing breakouts they're doing individual stuff so it's all about learning football learning scheme learning about brian dable his coaching staff and how they're going to put this team together well the three things that we really want to see which we can't see in non-contact drills is how well the offensive line is going to perform, yeah. how well the pass rush is going to improve, uh, and how much better is the secondary going to be? If better, maybe not better, hopefully just as good. I mean, there are well, replacements back there. We can't really see the first two. Secondary, yeah, we yeah. can see something. I was going to ask you that. But, I think I think the secondary, you can get a little bit more because the other stuff But they still is, can't get physical. Well, they they not... Yeah, not no, by design, no but it is football. I mean, yeah, but but you know the other parts you know, of it, like press you said, man coverage, you can't see. Well, that. I don't. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what Wink wants to do. Yeah, we I can't so. see that until I, they get to the the real camp. Right, and again, none of this is you'd mentioned it. None of this is going to make sense until training camp. It's really not. Is there anything at all? And feel free to say no. It can be a one-word answer if you'd like. Is there anything at all that you've seen in any of these spring workouts that you've been to that intrigues you one way or the other? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that I throw a little bit of caution to the wind because we have been in this situation, at least you and I, talking about this 
Well, for the last six, seven years with new coaching staffs, when you come in, people get a little bit optimistic, right? Yes. The the vibe in the building always seems to be the same with new coaching staff. If you kind of learn and listen, oh, that's upbeat. Of course it's going to be. Right. <laughs> you got a new staff. And if you're not part of that new staff, when I mean you're one of the players that those guys brought in, then you're going to be vibrant. You're going to be up-tempo because you're going to show these this, this organization and the staff what you want to do. So I think throw a little bit of that. I, I've got it. You know, that's just the same to me. When McAdoo came in, mm-hmm. when Shermer came in, when Judge came in, and now when Dable comes in, there is to me it's all the same vibe that goes around because it's new, it's fresh. I think that to answer your question, no, because <laughs> I, I don't. We don't see what you know. There's nothing we're taking out or away from this. What we're seeing out there, Paul, other than the fact that we're learning names and numbers. And by the way, for those who are who don't get to watch practice or see anything on on film or on the on you know the computer or whatever. This or this team has names on the back of their jerseys. They do. Last time they and didn't. I'm, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> and I love it. Because <laughs> right now you got all the, and of course, the, the numbers will change a little bit, but at least you get recognition. This number means this name. Um, and we don't have to be checking our roster constantly. Like, who is that? Who is that? So that that's probably the one takeaway that I get from the, from the uh, OTAs is that the names on the back of the jerseys, at least we know who those people are now. Yes. There, there's actually something that you probably don't even realize that would partially answer this question because you and I had this conversation a little bit ago mm-hmm. during the course of practice. And that was, you said to me that you were kind of interested at how the Giants' front seven was going from station to station to station as they were going through the different combinations of pass rush capabilities that Wink was putting into his system. And I do think that's something a little bit different that we haven't seen before. Correct. Because, as I've said a billion times on this program, Wink Martindale's entire defense— is based off of how much confusion he can cause with his front seven. And the way he teaches and trains his front seven is a little bit different than most people. Yeah, yeah. And again, <clears throat> you use the word confuse. One one thing that's important for the players is that, you know, players are like, they're, they're just robots. It's, you know how it is. It's, 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 they are so routine, practices the same way every day. You do this, you do that. Same thing with learning a new offense or defense. And in Wink Martindale's situation, you got to understand the types of different front seven looks you're going to get. So it's about repetition. That's why you're seeing what they're doing. They're repping, 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 repping over, 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 and over. But you don't want to complicate the player. That's why they're doing what they're doing now because they have to go over and over and so that they they basically know this defense like the back of their hand. And that's why I mentioned to you guys, and I don't know, Paul, if you've been on the show with me when I've said this about the long conversation I had with Jason Garrett earlier in the second this first season when I was asking him about the offense, which wasn't doing anything. And his, his whole speech to me was, Jeff, I don't think very many people really understand the importance, how important it is when you are a new staff – Remember, Jason was here for two years. Right. Putting in the offense in the off season of OTAs. Now, remember, a couple of years ago, they didn't have OTAs because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so that was a, a it was a detriment to them. And so Huge. that's why this is so important. What's going on out there? I, and I don't know. Is it 14? How many are there? The OTA practices. Oh I mean, there goodness. used to be like 14, 11, I mean, it was somewhere around in there, right? I think it turns out to be 11 now. But then you also get the three-day mandatory okay. minicamp also. So every one of those practices is so important. And they're only allowed to be out there for a couple hours. So when you put that times however many it is, it's really not a lot when you think about it. 
because they're going to have a mandatory mini camp coming up here soon in June. And then after that, it's over. Then they start training camp. And remember this, there's only three preseason games this year or mm -hmm. now. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's an acceleration process. So it's so important to get, <clears throat> to get work out there on the field. We're still waiting for, by the way, the uh, official opening date of when training camp will be. We know it'll be late July. But well, we, yeah, we don't be, have we don't have the date yet. It can be officially how many weeks? Fifteen. It can be fifteen days before the preseason kickoff. Mm -hmm. We do not have the yeah, preseason schedule. It could, schedule it could, it could yet. be a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday. Well, a and Monday. that's why for me, and I know a lot of people don't pay much attention to it. By the way, two zero one nine three nine four five one three is our phone number. A lot of people don't care about the preseason schedule. I don't understand why. See, maybe it's just because I'm an absolute football junkie. Really? But no. But I, <laughs> I really look forward to the preseason for a few reasons. Number one, I do want to see the guys who are going to make the roster, even the back-end guys. That's important to me. I like to see the battle for the fourth and fifth string wide receiver spots. That's a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where I'm going to find out what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Training camp doesn't give you that whole story. You need to see those preseason games. Guys need to excel in those moments to make the 53. So I find that incredibly intriguing. So preseason to me is, is very important. And then the, the other part to that is, yes, when you set that preseason schedule and you know when the preseason opener is, you can now count back 15 days <laughs> and know when training camp will start. This, these are important factors. My, 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 life, my calendar, my body clock is based off of everything that the schedule does. Well, we should know soon. <clears throat> I know, but we still don't Can know. I make you happy? And for what it's worth, okay, I talked to Charlotte Carey, uh, the NFL's director of broadcasting recently, a week or so ago for the Giants huddle. And she explained that the holdup, primarily on the preseason schedule, is that because local television deals with the preseason schedules for each of the teams, it's not oh, right, the networks. Uh, yeah, like NBC. Right. And, well, yeah. in New York, for you, yeah. those of you who are here in New York, uh, WNBC Channel 4 mm -hmm. has been the flagship for Giants preseason yeah, games now the, for several you years. You get Bruce back, you get, you know, those guys. Right. Yeah. Well, Bob and Carl, Carl do the yeah. game with Bruce Beck yeah. on the sidelines and Howard Cross on the sidelines. That's the way it's been for the last several years. So wherever the Giants are going to wind up being in the New York market, They've got to work with their local television outlet as well as the local television outlet of the team they're playing. This year, they're in Foxborough. Mm -hmm. They're home for uh, Cincinnati. And then they've got the road game against the Jets at MetLife. So just to explain to how this works, folks, they've actually got to talk to the TV stations in this case, Cincinnati and Foxborough, not so much New York because we know what New York is. We're all here. And they've got to try to figure out when those stations can also slot the games in to their television schedule because they're locked up with a lot of network programming. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever, I don't know, let's just say for argument's sake, the difference between a Thursday, Friday night, or a Saturday night, or even a Sunday preseason game could turn out to be, or the, the key factor could turn out to be, that the local TV station says, well, wait a minute, we have... I don't know, uh, Golden Globes Awards show or whatever that we're supposed to be airing on Saturday night at mm -hmm. 8 o'clock. <clears throat> you can't play your preseason game on Saturday right. because we got the Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest impact 
on how the preseason schedule gets made. The local TV affiliates of each of the teams involved in the games works with you in terms of when they can air the games. Makes sense. So just so people know. Well, I mean, you you look at what goes into the regular season formation of the schedule. I mean, that is, that is a, you know, (laughs) so I mean, so the last, (laughs) so you get that done and then all of a sudden now they're like, okay, we got three of these games. We'll figure it out. The local market, we'll figure out how it's going to work. Well, it's funny because when I, when I asked Charlotte about the preseason, she's like, well, actually that's another department. Exactly. (laughs) Right. They got enough going on. They got enough going on. How about it? 201-939-4513. Let's get to our phone calls. We've already been talking too much and we started out with, uh, looks like, is it Phil from Vermont on line one, Pearson? You are first on BBKL. Hello. Hey, Paul. How are you? Very good, sir. How are you doing? Jeff, how are you? Good. Thank you. Uh, just calling up, I called a, a little bit ago and kind of after I got off in a little conversation with another caller and you, Paul, about reset versus rebuild for the Giants. And, right. Uh, the reason I'm calling is, and I'm passionate about it, is it's not just semantics. You know, one of the things that I feel strongly has contributed to the situation we're in, which isn't great, is that mentality of, we just need to reset, or we're tweaking, or we just sign this free agent, or we just bring in this, make this one move. You know, that's landed us in a place where we've had the tied for the worst record in the NFL over the last 10 years, utility all over the board, and made us a laughing stock. And we're a signature franchise. That should never have happened. And when you look at our situation, it's the definition of a rebuild. We have to rebuild. And, Paul, you said that your rationale for why it's a reset is in core positions. We are all set. And I, I just don't see it, Paul. I mean, starting with quarterback, you can't say we're all set right now. I hope we are. I would love it if we are. It would speed up our rebuild by years if we are. But... At this point, you would have to say, no, we're not there. I would say it has to do more. Corey Jackson <clears throat> is our number one quarterback. <clears throat> the Titans let him go for nothing. Um, you know, we're not set there. Edge rusher, we've made progress. We've got some promising tools, pieces there. But until they put <clears throat> tape on the field, <clears throat> we can't say we're there. And finally, left tackle. I like Andrew Thomas. But the reality is, he's been with us two years. Year one was, he looked like a bust. Year two, good to very good. But he also has to stay on the field, guys. He's got lower body injuries, and that worries me in an offensive tackle. So in those four key spots, I I don't see that we're there yet. We have some promise, but we're not there yet. And that's what a rebuild is. All right, well, we disagree with you. Have a great day. 201-939-4513. Look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here for three hours and explain to the caller how he's misguided. Um, he's right in terms of the definition, and, I, and I, I really live by this definition. You are at a rebuild when you don't have any core foundational players in the key spots that you have to build a football team. Now, We don't know about Daniel Jones yet, but at least there is a potential answer there. 
okay, if Mike Glennon was your starting quarterback, you would definitely be in a rebuild because then you don't have an answer there. Mm-hmm. The Giants have a guy who is potentially the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they have a left tackle? Andrew Thomas is a franchise left tackle. He's, uh, he's already asserted no himself. Question. He's already asserted himself. And by so, the way, I, I'm by the way, just real quickly on the injury front, every single football player has injuries. Correct. Not everybody plays every single game. So you can't expect five guys are on the line. You did. Line. Well, yeah, but very rarely. <laughs> yeah, me and Brett Favre, about the only guys. But my, my point is, is that it's, it's hard to ask all five offensive linemen to play 17 games. Okay, so you're going to get – when I look at Andrew, Andrew Thomas – it's exactly what we thought he would be. His first year, he, he kind of had a little growing pains. Second year kind of grew into the position. Now we're not going to have to worry about Andrew Thomas. No. It's a guy that we're just going to forget about for like eight years. The box is checked. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to move to the right side. The quarterback box is half checked. Yeah. The left tackle box is checked. The uh, pass rusher, we believe, is half checked because of Thibodeau. Yeah. Or, and, or old and old Jalari, yeah, right. Well, don't, don't remember we got Neil too, so we're gonna have to check that box. Oh, you mean on the, you want on to the go right back side. to the tackle? Yeah, I was still strictly talking about the four four core positions: quarterback, left tackle, pass oh, okay. rusher, and and cover corner. Okay, okay. Well, Adoree Jackson is is a half a check. Yeah, yeah. okay, he's yeah. a half a check. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, Daniel Jones is a half a check. Andrew Thomas is a full check, and we believe that. Thibodeau uh, is going to be a full check. Yeah. No, there's okay? no question. So therefore, by definition, that is not a rebuild. You have core positional stuff there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And not to mention some other very high-level players in Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, should we possibly throw Blake Martinez into of that mix? Yeah. Guy who gets 150 tackles a season. Yeah. And, and Leonard and, Williams, Dexter Lawrence. Hello. So not only do they have, you know, they don't have any empty boxes in the four core positions. They have no empty boxes. In addition to all of that, they do have some other players who are considered foundational players. Yeah, yeah. So, no, this is not a rebuild by any stretch of the imagination. I actually feel like if you went to every team that was in the so-called rebuild, you know, position— you're still going to find some evaluation in, in some of those positional players. There's still going to be some foundational guys within that sure. system. I mean, you could go to the worst team in the league. Let's just go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do they have some core position players there? Absolutely. The quarterback's a check. That guy's he, he's going to be a good player. It's just a matter of time, right? I mean, they've got an offensive lineman down there. They just franchise. There's a check box. So, I mean, I'm saying the worst team in the league, you still have guys that can play. Let's see. I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at the I'm gonna look at Jacksonville. Okay. We can give half a check to Trevor Lawrence. We can give okay. for potential. We'll give him half right, well, a check. Well, we gave a half a check to the quarterback here. So right. that's the, there you go. Okay. Um I'm not giving a check to Cam Robinson. I know they franchised him, boy. They gave him a new deal, but I'm not giving a check to Cam Robinson. But my point is is that is he a good player? Yes. He's a good player. Uh, I think he's probably in the below average left tackles. Would league. you be happy if he came here and they? they no, I wouldn't. Have, no. I wouldn't want right, him. Move on. Go I ahead. wouldn't want him. Cover corner. Oh uh, no, Shaquille Griffin and and uh, and uh, Tyson Campbell. No, they don't have a cover corner. Not in my mind. And their pass rush. And pass rush. They have one now. They have a half a check or a check. Well, they have Josh Allen. 
He's well, a legit pass rusher. Yeah, but you know, look at the new guy. But they're, but they're, they're, they're. Well, I know you, you're going to tell me Trayvon Walker. I'm not sold. That I think Trayvon Walker is probably the biggest gamble in the draft. Yeah, but is he? But he's in fact, a half that, a, that's a potential he's GM a half killer. Check. He's a half check. I, I, I guess he is. What do you mean you guess? You can't give him a half a check. He's the first pick in the draft. How are you I, not going to give him give, a half a check I give, for that? I give Josh Allen a bigger check than I give Trevon well, Walker. Because he's proven himself to right. be. But my point is that he's the number one pick in the draft. you got to give him something. Give, right. him, give him the All end right. of the check or All something. Right. Anyway, anyway. Th- so if, if you want to tell me that the Jaguars are rebuilding, I absolutely agree. They're rebuilding. <laughs> they been, don't have enough. They've been rebuilding for as long as I know. Exactly. But the Giants, they are not rebuilding. They are retooling. End of conversation. We go back to the phone calls. 201-939-4513. Cliff is in New York. You're next on BBKL. Hello. Cliff. How you doing, Paul and Jeff? Hi. Good, nice to good have to you. be here. Good to yeah, have you. Yeah, much, much appreciate what you just said. I, I've been thinking that way for the last few years. Uh, I've liked our drafts uh, going back a few years. And... Um, Oh, and by, by the way, we need to throw Xavier McKinney in there because he is another yes. foundational player. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that's, uh, that's 2020. And, and um, you know, um, the, the, we, I, could, I could mention more names, but uh, I think that, um, you know, first off, that Joe Shane didn't have to come here to make his next career move. You know, he could have gone to the Bears, you know if he thought that this was a horrible organization with nobody here and he didn't want to start from nothing. And, uh, but especially Wink Martindale, when, when Bob Papa interviewed him, I remember him saying, we've got some players here, you'll be surprised. Well, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, but, but he felt he had to say that, you know, and uh, I think he had a choice of where to go also, you know. So I, I think we're, we're being competitive uh, for, for those, uh, those spots. Anyway, as far as the OTAs go, um, I, um, I was thinking about the smart, tough, and dependable thing when you were talking about the OTAs, because I think maybe the dependable thing, we, since we've been so beset by injuries, we thought that that's what it referred to. But I wonder if the dependable part means is that they can spot when they're going through the OTAs that they can be able to de- begin to evaluate whether somebody can be depended on to be in the right spot at the right time doing what he's supposed to be doing uh, when, they put, when, they, when they actually try to put the show on the field. And, and um, um, I, I wonder if, and, and also uh, the, the reset thing, the reset word that I remember hearing first was from John Mara. And, and at the same time, he was saying that he was making a change uh, in the uh, leadership uh, for um, uh, the purposes of improving leadership, coordination, and communication. So that kicked me back to the OTAs also, because in 2020, when we were heading into that first pandemic season, and they were saying that the teams that uh, were, quote, rebuilding or resetting or whatever, or at least just had new coaches, uh, were going to be more affected, that, that probably did uh, – undermine Jason Garrett a tremendous amount. And uh, so I'm just wondering if we have any signs so far that we're getting the improvement in coordination and communication that's going uh, to be able to make the difference, because that's what the owner said he hired these people for. Well, we won't be able to really tell you that until we get further along, but it's quite clear mm-hmm. at this point from watching the practices that we've watched Usually, one of the things you can tell, an experienced eye can tell when they're watching these practices, how many times a coach 
will call a player over after a play and then chat with him. If you watch that carefully enough, you'll see the body language and you'll see that, okay, that didn't go well. He did something wrong. Mm-hmm. You could tell. You know, Jeff. You've been around well, these it things happens, forever. Every staff does it. Okay? It's so you watch. Here. You watch for guys who are repeat offenders, and you watch for how often does that happen. That's about the only way you can tell about these things that, that we don't have privy to. Well, here's the other thing. Sometimes you can't tell on the field because they, they wait until they get in meeting room. Well, and that's 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 you know the part that we have no We're never way to ever going to be able to find out that's about that. That's the part that we can Because never I will find tell out. you that, you know, if you're a position coach like a wide receiver coach, let's just give get an example. And it's a and it's a they're going they're they're on a 7 on 7. They're running all these pass patterns. You as a receiver coach has probably got your mind, you got your your eyes on maybe one receiver. You're not seeing the other three that are in the other patterns, right? right? So right. you may not those guys all three of them might have made mistakes. You never saw it. Yeah. But the exactly. and by the way, in this in this exercise all four of them made mistakes because the one guy that you're concentrating, he made a mistake too. So, yeah. you know, so you get in the meeting room and now all of a sudden you look at film. And by the way, what these coaches do is as soon as they come off the field, they grab their lunch. They, they're very rarely sitting in the lunchroom eating. They grab it to go. Right. They go upstairs. They put the tape on. They start looking at practice because they're getting ahead of the game. So when they have to meet with the players, now they're going to understand. Okay, by the way, in this play, guys, all four of you screwed it up. Okay? Now drop and give me 10. Right. <laughs> Well, see, what Jeff is really saying is that you may not be able to tell how well it's going, but you certainly could tell how badly it's going. Mm-hmm. Because if a guy is a repeat offender, or well, if there are a number of players who are quickly getting pulled to the sideline, that's never a good sign. That's or, a guarantee that it's I, not going well. I will always side with the quarterback that where the ball is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, most of the time the receiver ran the wrong route. Because because quarterbacks are it's, when you throw the football in the National Football League and even in college, there's it's all about timing. When those guys, the quarterback right. throws the ball to a spot because he knows the guy's coming out of his break, and that's part of being a good quarterback. If he throws to a spot, he's throwing it to a spot because he knows the receiver is supposed to be there. And by the way, here there's no fear of getting hit because there's no hitting going on. There's nothing. Yeah. So I mean, so, that's yes. pretty bad. So, but I mean, again, it, it goes to back what I've been saying about learning the system and how important these OTAs are because of understanding the concepts about patterns and offensively, you know quarterbacks and receivers have to understand what the defense is giving them, how they're going to play it, and then how they're going to run against this defense. And there's adjustments that they have to make. And the more you work on these things, the better you have a chemistry. We were talking about this earlier. If you look at Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton, their rookie year, look at the yeah. look at how good those guys had that 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 chemistry. You yeah. know, well, Daniel Jones was not afraid to throw the ball down the field until you know he was starting. All of a sudden, he was making some big plays. But then the old injury. I mean, sorry, the the turnover bug. Got him and well, came, so that offensive line. Yeah, and I'm saying so he started throwing interceptions. Well, guess what's happened? You lose your confidence. You lose your their chemistry. So it's important to get those with these new guys that are in here. I mean, he's got a lot of new guys in there. Oh, I know. Cliff, I hope we we answered that part of your question. Yeah, and I give you one. Call, I give you one other. Yeah, I give you one other item. I'll give you this because I, I know you agree with the whole reset rebuild thing. By comparison. When the Giants drafted Phil Simms in 1979 as a first-round pick, yes. that team was in complete rebuild. And to do yep. the same drill, let's go over it for you. Joe Prezarczyk was the quarterback. That's yep. an empty box. Gordon Gravel was the left tackle. That's <laughs> an empty box. 
your your key pass rusher, George Martin, was still on the young side, but Jack Gregory. That was when the plane flew over the stadium. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> uh, now George Martin and Jack Gregory were your two defensive ends, and of course Gregory was an accomplished pass rusher. George Martin was getting there because he was a little young yet, but he was certainly developing. So let's check that box, and then your corners, Terry Jackson, who had a nice year as a rookie, but. I don't think you could say he was a blanket cover corner. And then there was Ray Rhodes, who, as you remember, wound up being a wide receiver and a corner during the course of his career and wasn't with the Giants very long. So, really, what do you have there? Yeah, but my point is, that team was in rebuild, okay? Compare that in those core positions to what the Giants have now. Do we understand the difference? Oh, absolutely. And I I think... uh... I think Joe Shane demonstrated a steady hand immediately. You know, when he got, did those free agent signings and then, and then the draft followed shortly after that, I was thinking, did he just fix the offensive line in six weeks? You know, I mean, it remains to be seen, obviously, but, but I, I don't see how he could have done any better so far with that. And, uh, and if we have the trenches going on both sides, uh, I, I think we can be competitive in this first year that everybody thinks is a gimme. But I'm glad you mentioned Daniel, because I wish we could stop whenever they mention Daniel's turnover stats. Nobody is mentioning the improvement that he made after that horrible first well, because year. Because that doesn't sell clicks, Cliff. Cliff, they, I, they, well, always, they always give you his career turnover stats yes. because they're terribly inflated in his first two seasons. Yes. And to, to illustrate their point so they can kick this poor guy in the groin, they've <laughs> yes. got to keep going to those numbers. That's right. Of course. He also, he also reminds me of, uh, I mean, this was like a concept that was seemed like it was first introduced to the public when Jim Plunkett won the Super Bowl with the Raiders. And they pointed out that he started with the the Patriots, who were who were dismal at the time and had nothing going, and he got the, the heck beat out of them and wasn't very successful. It seems like everybody forgot that lesson. You're supposed to build the whole team, and then the quarterback comes in. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, let, let's talk about the first four years of Peyton Manning's career. 28 picks led the league, 15, 15, and then 23. All right, add that up. That's 67. That's over 80 interceptions in his first four seasons in the league. Oh, should we keep talking about that as Peyton Manning goes into the Hall of Fame? That he had over 80 interceptions in his first four seasons? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's absurd. It's ab- Nobody is the same player the first day they walk onto the field Never. than they are four years later. They're yeah. not. Mm-mm. Daniel Jones is not that turnover machine anymore. Get used to it, critics. Get used to it. I know it's hard for you to swallow. Get used to it. <laughs> 201-939-4513 here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Paul Tatino and Jeff Fiegel's with you. Folks, uh, as a reminder, Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. You can also find uh, premier hospitality experiences, watching Giants games, and world-class concerts as a sweet partner. Limited full-season locations are available. Or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com. Giants.com slash suites for more information. Let's also give credit to other people besides Joe Shane for what looks like a quick retooling of this offensive line. Let's not forget 
that Feliciano, the starting center, is here because Bobby Johnson mm-hmm. and Shane and Dable are mm-hmm. all here from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. He came with them on that train from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So they had a conduit to go get an NFL-ready center. A guy that knows the system. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Because your center, your center is your quarterback of the offensive line. And by the way, if your quarterback of the offensive line is coming from a system he already knows, well, that's a checkbox. Bingo. There you go. Okay. Having the benefit of that extra first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Evan Neal, extra first-round pick in the top 10. You get a blue-chip right tackle. Got it from last year. Beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. How'd they get that pick? Because the previous regime made the right trades to get it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's a beautiful thing. Again, I'm not taking away credit from Joe Shane, but he had some really good pieces to work with here. The fortuitous uh, situation with Buffalo, the fortuitous situation with the extra top 10 pick, Glowinski comes over, and he told me this in the interview that's on Giants Huddle. He came here because Bobby Johnson was the offensive line coach here, Mm. and he knew him from Indianapolis. He was with him in Indianapolis as his offensive line coach. Wow, okay. Okay, and that's why he's here with the Giants, because Bobby Johnson was brought here. So so we've got two offensive linemen who are a big part of this rebuild Mm -hmm. who are here because of the staff that is here. Because of their previous connections. And where was Bobby Johnson? Buffalo. There you go. <laughs> From the Colts to the Bills yep. to the Giants. And Glowinski followed him in tow. Yeah. So I don't want to take credit away from Joe Shane because he has done what appears to be a really well, sound let, job. Well, hold on. Let's, let's give him a little bit of credit because we kind of knew before free agency started, Paul, we talked about this. Where's the money? <laughs> oh, I know. Where do you find this money? That's a GM. I think he's That's over, a Kevin Abrams. Those had, are guys that tried to figure out how we're going to do this. And, and we knew there was going to be one splash. That's all they really could do. it was do. Yeah, I mean, Feliciano wasn't a huge, huge free agency signing as far as monetary numbers. It was a nice signing because of the positional value. But Glowinski is your one guy that they went out and spent a lot of money on to get. But it came. the only reason he came here is because what you said. Plus, I would imagine that some of the money was good, too. No question. No question. So... A fortuitous set of circumstances, though, because if, if Dable and Shane and Bobby Johnson aren't here, I'm not so sure that the Giants get Glowinski. I'm not so sure that they get Feliciano. And if they don't have that second top 10 pick, I don't know if they get Evan Neal. I don't. Now, could you probably think, well, that's a good question. If they only had one, are they going Thibodeau or are they going Neal? Or one of those other alignment that were there? You know, you'll never know. We'll we never know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll never know. My gut feeling tells me that they would have went with the offensive lineman because they had to. I think so too, but we will not know the answer to that. Yeah. Well, we hope that those two decisions that they did make are good ones for the future of the New York football giants. And those guys can be long-term players. And as we always talk about, I think some of the success that comes with those types of pick, Paul, is can you keep them after that fifth year? Or fourth year, if you want to do it. If you want to extend and do a new contract. 201-939-4513. And again, I'm not taking credit away from Joe Shane. I think he's done a great job since he's gotten here. But the point being, there are a lot of tentacles here Mm -hmm. that that did fit perfectly into certain spots that have allowed this thing to come to fruition or at least come together maybe a lot quicker than some people may have thought that it would do. And which, by the way, I know we're going to move on here, but but that was an integral part of rebuilding this team was starting with 
Bobby Johnson and that offensive line because you had to start somewhere, right? And so if you really kind of lined everything up and said, okay, where are we going to go from here? Well, we have to pay attention to this first. Think about this. Once Joe Shane got the job, it made more and more sense. And in retrospect, that Dable was going to be hired to be the head coach because you have the symmetry with the two Buffalo guys. Well, you probably had guys. Then you have the symmetry with the Buffalo offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, now because that triumphant's in place, all of a sudden you now have a starting center and you now have a starting right guard. Who, was, who by the way, wasn't with the Buffalo Bills, but his coach used to be. Right or with the with the Colts, right. so you know th- it's not what you know; it's who you know a lot of the times. Exactly, and I, I feel like when when these coaches, before they get hired, and you know this, Paul, they come in, they have their interviews, and in this case, a couple interviews. I feel like the first interview is more like who you are, what you're going to do, what's your philosophies, this and that. The second interview is that now we tell you as you leave for the first interview, go out. Try to figure out who your staff's going to be. And then our second interview, we want to know who you're going to bring in as your coaches. And so I feel like maybe Brian Dable said, okay, I'm Bobby Johnson. I get this coaching job. You're going to come with me? Heck yeah, coach. Absolutely. Well, you know, and by the way, we're going to have a little bit of money. Do you think we should go get one of these guys? Well, I know a guy in Indianapolis that would love to come here. Oh, my God, it's getting exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So so this is kind of how it all works and how things are put together behind the scene. The tree roots start to grow. Oh, my God. Well, and all of a sudden, you, you find out that you roped in more than it looks like. Sure. Now, anyway, I, I think that when you look at the prior coaching staff, the same thing, right? Joe Judge had connections to all those coaches. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. And well, Joe you know, Judge is the reason why Logan Ryan, for example, was here. Yeah. Well, there's all kinds. All of, right. Yeah, it happens. Absolutely. It there, happens. There yeah. are definitely guys who land on a roster specifically because of a connection. No. There's a conduit. Yeah. No, there there is. And I mean, I, I look at when I went when I left uh, Philadelphia to go to Arizona, I, I left because, you know, Buddy Ryan was going to become the head coach. You know, I mean, I, excuse me. I went to Arizona. Buddy Ryan told me that I was going to I was a free agent. And he told me that I'm getting the job, you know, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, well, you're going to be my punter. I'm like, I am. He's like, yeah, you're coming there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that sounds good to me. You like me, buddy. You know, he loves defensive players. And loves- by the way, those are friendly conversations. Yeah. Those are not tampering conversations. No, those are good things. Actually, it was at a, it was at a uh, golf tournament that we were having lunch together. And this was before, this was right after Buddy Ryan got fired from the Oilers. Um because remember, he went, let's see, I'm trying to think of the whole, no, this when he got fired from the, from, uh, yeah, because I think he went, I don't know what it was. It's so long ago. <laughs> okay. All I know <laughs> is that Buddy Ryan loved me when I was in Philly. He told me that when, on my exit interview, he, he knew he was getting fired. Um, but he said, my next job, if, if you're available, you'll be my punter. And that was like two years later. And then you told me Fossil told you that Fossil told he me, was going to get you to New yeah, York. Yeah, and I couldn't do it because Holmgren wouldn't let me leave. And then the following year, Ernie got me because I was a free agent. So, right. yeah, it's, 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 again, it's relationships. It's, and, again, this is not just football. It's in business alone. There's relationships. Right. That's how it works. Exactly. And so the Glowinski relationships and the Feliciano relationships of the past, a significant reason why the Giants were able to upgrade their offensive line so quickly. We go back to the phones. Line three, John in Cape Cod. You're next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. 
Hey, how are you guys? Hi. Today? Good to talk to you. Likewise, I love the show. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> before I go on, Jeff, let me just say, you know, punters are weapons, and anybody <laughs> that doesn't understand that in football doesn't understand pro football. I like to look at myself and, as a weapon. That's good. Paul, <laughs> from your sense of history, all you have to do is look at the NFC championship game that I was at, Giants, Redskins, and see how Sean Landetta changed that game. Mm -hmm. No uh, question. With with all due respect to John Schmelk and Sauce Gardner, I was really happy that the Jets took him and we had Thibodeau because, you know, I played safety in college, but a good corner in the NFL today, I don't care if you call him a cover corner, what you call him. If he doesn't have edge rushers that pressure that quarterback, he can't cover indefinitely. So everything starts with that pass rush. You know, with the Giants, I'm glad this whole new administration just seemed to have re-energized the team with the draft, with the practice. I'm so glad they have Wing Martindale because his situational football awareness reminds me of Bill Belichick, who almost invented it. And anybody that doesn't use situational football today in the pros is like a dinosaur. Um, I'll just leave you. I'll just leave you with one thought. Uh, the Giants. I'm glad have finally developed a sense of patience in terms of Barkley, in terms of Jones. I saw Barkley play at Penn State. If they ever can get a decent offensive line, he will show everybody what he's capable of doing. And Jones, the, 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 the school may still be out on him, but I saw the flashes when he was protected. So let's go forward, guys. Thank you for your time. Thanks Thank for you. the call, John. Please call again. 201-939-4513. Let's try to rip through some more calls, get as many as we can in the last 15, 20 minutes. Uh, line one, Charlie from Portland, Maine. You're next on BBKL. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Hey, guys. How you doing? All hey, right. How are you? Good. There's actually 10 OTAs, and then there's three uh, mandatory. Mandatories, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, I, hey, I just want to say, look, Feliciano has never started at center. So we don't know if he what he is yet. So right. I would uh, slow down the role on him a little bit, even though I know they think that's his best position. But it isn't like we're getting a Pro Bowl guy here or an All Pro center. So it's he's he's still a question mark, at least in my mind. Well, and Jeff, oh. since you talked about my Miller Andre the Giant dropping a pass, well, are you going to talk about him catching the longest touchdown pass of the? Of the day yesterday, 30-plus yards from uh, Mr. Webb. Hmm. I'd like to see that connection in a regular season game. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Rather than 30-yard right? catch in May of 2022 before hey, the well, season starts. Were, yeah, well, you were I know. talking about it. I, I gotta, listen, i got to give him credit okay. if he's going to drop one. i got to give him credit if he's going to catch one, too. So. All right, uh, that's, that's all I want. I no, want listen, I, 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 and, and with all, with, <laughs> with, with all true, true sincerity, I've, I've been watching him a little bit. He is intriguing. The guy's, he's a big dude. Um, he runs yep. pretty smooth routes. You know, obviously he's, he's raw, and um, you know he's going to have a tough time making it, Charlie. I'm telling you, but you never know. 
It's just got to keep plugging along. That's now, for sure. Now, Charlie, I do want to. I wanted to make sure I got this 100 percent correct because I only deal in facts, and you know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Feliciano started two games at center for the Bills in November of 2020. So to oh, say okay. that he has not played center in the NFL would be inaccurate. Okay, then uh, I was wrong about that, but he, I knew he hasn't played that position. Not a lot. Very much. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> correct. His primary positions have been at right guard and left guard, but he has played some center in the league, and both both the, the Bills people, Bobby Johnson and Dayball and, and Feliciano, they all seem to believe that center is his best spot. And, look, they would know better than we would. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I was just trying to point out that it isn't like he's had a lot of experience I agree with that. in that position. That is true. That's you know, so, you know, it's still, to me, it's a question mark. And as far as Daniel Jones goes, um, I just think they wrapped him up the last two years. They didn't want him exposed because of the turnover problems that he had. And this year they're going to let him loose. So we're going to find out, Paul, if he yeah, is you're right. or he isn't. You're right. <laughs> right guys? You're absolutely okay, guys, right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Charlie. Good, uh, good Appreciate day. it. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three, And no doubt, Jeff. This is a huge spring for Daniel Jones as he once again has to deal with a new offensive system while at the same time making sure he balances his ability to cut down on turnovers, which he's shown us in the last two years, but now has to also regain his ability to make the big play. Yeah, and that'll come. That'll come. I mean, again, this is all about repetition and understanding philosophies. Every coach has different ones. Every offensive coordinator has different things. And terminology, listen, there's only so many routes you can run in football, right? I mean, there's the out, there's the up, there's the in, there's the, you know, the go. They're differently, they're called different things. Right. So, and well, I think they, they that, have nine different numbers, nine, we, right? Yeah. Nine and, different numbers for the different pass yeah. routes. But there are, there are certainly varieties and combinations that can make it extremely confusing. But from what I've seen uh, offensively, just from the few practices that I've gone to, is that this offense to me is going to be quick, fast. There's no ball question. out of your hand. Let the guys make plays. A lot of tempo. And here's the thing about this. You can't do that unless you have playmakers. Well, you got, you got Robinson. You've got Tony. You've got the big guy outside. Galladay. Galladay. You've mm -hmm. got Saquon who's going to catch some footballs. You've got some tight ends that are going to be, and they're not making huge, huge plays. But my point is that get the ball into those guys' hands. That's what this offense is going to be like, mm -hmm. which, by the way, improves as a quarterback position, improves your completion percentage. You're not going to throw a lot of interceptions if you're just dumping the ball off to playmakers just right. real quickly. And you know what? Those guys are going to make some touchdowns for you. They're going to make some big, big plays. We, Lance and I studied this the other day. I think it was on Friday that – you know, some of the biggest playmakers in the league, Tyreek Hill, his average catch is 13 yards. That's, that's, what, aver that's what his right. average is. You would think it would be way more than that, right? But, I mean, the top one in the league is like 17, 18. Well, usually anybody over 14 to maybe 15 yards a catch is considered a big play receiver. Yeah. Usually. That which you would think, I think by, by numbers, you would think there would be a little bit more than that. But, it's, but you know, when you look at the numbers, it's not. So my point is back to what I was saying with Daniel Jones is that, yeah, this is a big spring for him because he's going to learn an offense that's actually going to be an asset to him. It's not going to ask him to do a lot, right? I mean, and some of the drills that he's doing, you can tell that he's Agreed. going to be, 
he's going to be asked to be doing some things on his, with his feet. There'll be lots of stuff for him. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You do, however, still have to have some component of the long pass game in there to keep defenses honest. Well, the one thing that we you can't we, you can't ignore that. And I think that one thing that we do ignore, and I think it's just the nature of the beast, just because we're we're so everybody's infatuated with the passing game in the National Football League and the quarterback and the wide receivers. You and I are no we're we're not the same as far as like you know we we've been around football a long time. You and I both agree on this. If you do not have a running game, you're never going to have a great passing game. So let's talk a little bit more about how this is going to, the running game is going to improve, right? You got a healthy mm -hmm. Saquon Barkley. You have what we think is an improved offensive line, okay? That's only going to help Daniel Jones if they can get this running game going. Because well, so now we've got play action. You've got all kinds of stuff that you can set up now with th offense. That's one of the reasons why Eli was so phenomenal in 2011. Well, look at because that. the Giants had the 32nd rated rushing attack. And it wasn't until the last couple of weeks in the postseason where they were effective with the running game in spots. Mm -hmm. Eli basically took that 11 team on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. And when most people knew for most of the season that they could not really effectively run the ball when they wanted to, Shut he down. willed that team to win. Yeah. I, I think that running the football is imperative if you're going to be a better scoring football no team question. in the red zone. You have to in this. And that's what this team has to get Because you, you can't expect Daniel Jones to be what Eli was in 11. No. That's asking too well, much you, from him you, right you, now. Also, you got the defense. If you become one-dimensional, it's so much easier for us to protect – to go ahead and cover all the receivers out in routes if we know yeah. that we're, you have no offensive line. All right, let's quickly get to some more phone calls. 201-939-4513. Rick in Tampa, you're next on the show. Hello. Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. How are you doing today? Good. Oh, good. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I, you know, our Coach Dable is going to be at the hockey game tonight. He's going to make sure he's at every <laughs> Ranger game. Because, yeah, uh, about it. That's about awesome. Super but might have to pack him up if we win to go to Carolina as well. So he may be out. You might want to wonder where he is in the building. I may personally <laughs> show for him to Carolina. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, you, you know, you're saying regarding uh, the, the deep ball, one of the things that tend to cause the turnovers with Daniel Jones is that him waiting in the back, uh, dropping back to try to make the long pass where the line doesn't give him the time needed. They can't get separation downfield, and then he gets bumped or this, and that's when the fumbles come. So hopefully we got that fixed. Right. Well, and, and the other thing, to be honest, too, the Giants have not had receivers in recent years, and, of course, Galladay was, was hurt and was not himself yeah. last season, who would go and win those 50-50 balls long downfield. Mm -hmm. Let's not kid mm -hmm. ourselves. Plexico Burris right. and Amani Toomer were the last two guys who you could count on to throw that ball 35, 40 yards downfield and say, go get it for me. That's why yeah, I yeah. wanted a skyscraper so badly on this yeah. roster. And they went and they got Galladay, and he wasn't himself. Well, he better be himself this year because they need him. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I, I don't watch highlights as much like in past games, but if I do watch the 2011 uh, playoff run of the Giants is the greatest of all time. I'd have to say that from uh, as Eli just willed the team, and it was the I think the greatest accomplishment in his career. Um, the um, I had a question for you. I know you guys talked about it yesterday, and I'll ask both of you the question about the 2021 draft. Who uh, each pick a guy? It could be either offense or defense. Who do you think is going to shine this year? from last year's draft that you're going to put the stamp on and say, this guy 
is going to be a difference maker for the Giants for the next, uh, you know, six, seven years. Who do you think will be your guy that you foresee? I think if you might have done that yesterday, I heard bits and pieces of the show, but who do you think, Jeff and Paul? That's my question. I'm trying to go through the picks. Well, if you, if you want to do that, well, I'll give them to you. Tony, Ola Jolari, uh, Robinson, Smith, Brightwell, and Radarius Williams. I will say this to you. My, my question's a little different. I, I say who's the most intriguing guy who may have the most upside. Oh, I know and that. I think That's it's Ellerson Smith. Oh, really? Ellerson Smith has an incredible toolbox, and I'm thinking Wink Martindale might unlock that sucker, and, and the upside on him is immense. But having said that, he's the most intriguing. The guy who has already proven the most, I think, is Ojolari. Right. But but can Robinson and Tony become stars on this team? Absolutely they could. Yeah, I think I think I think it's I think it's Tony. I think it's a guy that I mean his upside could be tremendous. If especially in this type of an offense where Brian Dable with his mindset, I'm see I just want people to start getting away from what they did in Buffalo. Okay, right? That was great. It's different mm-hmm. personnel, it's a different quarterback. quarterback. Yep. But I feel like his mindset his ability to create offensive plays with personnel. That means a lot to me. So my upside offensively, my upside defensively would be Ojolari. I think he's a guy that's going to continue to ascend. Tony has showed me really nothing yet other than the ability not to be on the field a lot. I want him to stay healthy, (laughs) and I want him to be a a huge playmaker. And by the way, that's going to open up some other things for some other people. Because when those two guys are on the field, Robinson and him, that's a nightmare. Those two guys are, what do you call them? Uh, the little gadget guys, or what do you call? What's your G, G receivers? G receivers, Ga- gadget receivers, <laughs> G receivers. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, coin the term. So you say Tony, okay? And Paul, you said who? He well, I think Tony I think I think Ellison Smith is the most intriguing guy to me because I, I I can't I can't tell you if you're asking me which one of these guys is going to make the Pro Bowl. To be honest with you. <laughs> I, maybe Tony's got the best shot because of everything that Jeff said, but I think Tony, Ojolari, and Robinson are all going to be significant contributors. Again, I think Smith has a very high ceiling. I just don't know what the certainty is of him reaching it because I don't know how Wink sees him. If Wink Martindale sees what I see in Ellison Smith, you're going to be pleasantly surprised at the production you get out of that guy. Uh-huh. Okay. All how about right, that, you? Yeah, What's your answer? That- me? Yeah. I'm Tony. I'm Tony as well. I'm with you, Jeff. Okay. I think uh, if I think he is going to uh, – everything behind him now, he's going to go out there. He's going to be challenged by the young kid that was drafted, and they're going to be working well together. And I think he's going to yeah. be everything I saw in Florida. So, he'd, he'd, he'd be uh, the odds-on favorite. That, that, that's, that's your money pick right yeah. there. Tony's the yeah, money pick. Yeah, if he stays yeah, I think so. Appreciate the call. We'll, we'll see how that works. Thank you, you so guys. much. Take care. Be well. We go to line one. Phil is in North Carolina. You're next on BBKL. Hello. Hello. Hey, so I have three things. I'll try to run through them quick since it's late. Uh, observations. I'll make a comment on observations on Daniel and see if you concur. Uh, to, to me, it comes down to three things with uh, DJ. It's, it's uh, uh, pocket presence, uh, decision-making, and processing. Because I think from an athletic standpoint, He's he's a very uber athletic guy. You know, he's fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's I think he throws a nice ball. You know, I I think he uh, certainly throws a nice spiral, better than Eli spiral. And I'm a huge Eli fan. Uh, not as good as Phil, but uh, Phil sends a spiral, but he throws a nice spiral. And it's just 
those mental components that I think is really keeping him back. What do you all think? Well, if you want to break it down, I, I, the toolbox is there. I agree. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. mental capacity, I believe, is there. I don't think there's any question about that. Now, if you want to question his pocket presence to this point, I think it's fair. And it's because he has had to deal with adverse conditions. It's hard for any quarterback to truly have pocket presence when he doesn't have confidence, faith, or assertiveness in what his offense is doing because he's got leaks coming in from all the walls and the ceiling. (laughs) Seriously. If he doesn't have a solid running game and he's got leaks all over the place, he's got receivers that aren't necessarily making all the plays they're supposed to make, how is he supposed to have the assertiveness, the confidence, and the pocket presence to make everything work when he pretty much kind of knows already in the back of his head that it's not going to go the way it's supposed to? Jeff, do you agree? Well, no, I agree with both of you. I agree with both of you. I also feel like that, you know, and because I played the game so long and I understand about confidence, um, I feel that a lot of the things that you guys are both talking about, that breeds confidence. So I think the more confidence that Daniel Jones can get with his protection, with his personnel around him, and and the confidence in knowing the system, I think he will become a better quarterback and and improve in all of those categories that you said. That's how I feel. Let me, let me okay, give you a number. Good. Let me give you a number. 42 and 22. Do you know what those numbers are? Interceptions and fumbles that Phil Sims had over his first three years with the Giants when the team wasn't all that good. Remember, it wasn't until the second half of the 81 season after he got hurt and Scott Bruner actually had to lead them down the stretch into the playoffs. Think about that for a second. Over, yeah, no, over I, 40 I, picks and over 20 time. fumbles. Different, yeah. Right? Picks, right? Picks, picks. Well, Wyatt Kittle had a lot of picks, too. So, I mean, it was a different time, uh, Paul. You could probably concur that. I mean, the defenses were allowed to get away with a lot more than they are today. Oh, sure, so sure. But, the, but, the, but yeah. the cause and effect still holds true. If the quarterback yeah. doesn't have confidence and assertiveness in the stuff that's around him and he's looking around for the leaks that are springing everywhere, yeah. it's it's going to eat away at whatever intangibles you might be suggesting that aren't there. True, true. All right, so I got one more thing that's uh, kind of all evolving around the running back position and and uh, there was a recent paper, uh, journal article or uh, newspaper article I read that had um, the per- the percentage of picks that are hit on fourth and all and later rounds, which was really dismal. A small percentage of people actually, uh, according to a metric of start, x amount of starts actually make it. And the one position that was had the highest hits from fourth and later. Uh, what do you think that position was? As far as like uh, make like as far as plays, like how many times or years they play or making the team. What was the what was the, the yeah metric? yeah the metric was yeah the metric was uh, uh, starts and then it would based lineman. on their position it was offensive like lineman things offensive lineman. Well, that was that's a good guess, Jeff. Running back was number one. Really, like offensive line. Yeah, offensive lineman, offensive lineman, and in, interior linebackers were like. The next okay. group. 
Well, it just yeah. goes to show so you that a lot coach. of people a lot of people feel that you can find that running back in those later rounds. I mean, maybe not four and on, but see for the 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 mantra for years from NFL personnel departments is that the two positions that you could most easily find an undrafted rookie free agency. All right. We're not talking about rounds five, six, seven. We're talking about after the draft is over. Mm-hmm. Your most successful positions to make the 53 are wide receiver and defensive back. Mm-hmm. That happens to be a fact. Now, I don't know what you've got Maybe there in terms of numbers. Of your, you think it's, I, 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 I can only say a this. Lot more of them. Your day three numbers, whatever you have on your chart, I'm not suggesting that those are not correct. But, but my information is that your receivers and your DBs after the draft, your undrafted guys, those would be the most two common success stories. And I think that's for a lot of reasons. It's because of those ability to play special teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, when those guys are undrafted and they try to, to try out and make a team, yeah. they're willing to play specials. Well, they have to. And, and they, they, yeah, and, and that's a way for them to sneak on to a 53. And then the other thing is, let's think about it for a minute, too. So many college programs around the country, think about how many of those guys are probably under the radar and getting lost. Oh, sure. But they could probably still play. Yeah, yeah. And they, and sure. they, wind, sure. and they wind up, you know, getting into a camp and all of a sudden, oh, my God, Victor Cruz. <laughs> you know well i think that i also think that the wide receivers and the defensive backs in today's game all the way down from high school to pros is seven on seven passing leagues these guys are in they're in passing uh offenses and, and defending defenses they learn to play those positions a little bit better where i think that the the, the pool is thicker and you have a lot more guys that can play and remember this you can't teach speed never can yeah. And, and some of those guys just make it because they're just lightning fast. Mm-hmm. And they, they find a way onto a roster because a coach says, that guy runs a four two five. I need to have him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they find a way to play. You know. Anyway, hey, good stuff. Yeah, I got one, one, more, one yeah. more quick thing. Real fast. Uh, just a fact for uh, Jeff's uh, old teammate. Uh, guess who's number three on uh, yards per game, all-purpose yards per game? Number three in highest average all time. NFL history. I looked this up one night when I couldn't sleep. <laughs> this is this is yards from scrimmage or total all-purpose yeah. yards? Yeah, all total all-purpose yards per game highest average. So that three. so that that also includes kick returns and punt returns. We're not talking yards yeah. from scrimmage. Yes. Well, is Brian yeah. Mitchell up there? Yes, Brian Mitchell was number one. But uh-huh. guess who was number three? I have no clue. T- Tiki. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, he he did kick off. He, 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 he did. Too? He did some returns. Yeah. He did some returns over his yeah. career. Wow. Yeah. Look, yeah. you don't you don't so have to sell how, me on Tiki how Barber. Good Tiki was. You don't. Yeah, uh, how, how good? Was. How yeah. good he was? Freaking awesome is what he was. Mm-hmm. Retired too yeah. early, yeah, if you yeah, ask me. I, I, you know, as much as he is a borderline conversation for the Hall of Fame, you know, his last few years he was a bona fide Hall of Famer. If he had played another season, I guarantee you he would have made it. Anyway, right. Well, great call. Super Bowl year, yes. Thank right, you thank so you. much. Ah, right, <laughs> oh, good show today, Jeff. Appreciate it as always. Yeah, well, thank you everybody for calling in. It uh, was a lot that. of fun. Good, a lot of good callers today. A lot of good conversation. All right, write down the number again. Big Blue Kickoff Live every weekday here on Giants.com. Live from twelve noon to one p.m. Eastern Time. 201-939-4513. You can always catch an archive of this program and all your Giants' favorite podcasts through the Giants mobile app, 
Giants.com and all your favorite podcast platforms. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Paul Dottino. We'll talk to you next time.